podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Foster's a little bit freaked out. And why? Because in the Patreon version, I just went on a rant about how we are in a simulation. If you <laughs> want to hear that, $2 a month, patreon.com forward slash film bastards. Literally, there's like the show's about 22 minutes longer this week. If you know, more like 25 minutes longer, if you listen to the Patreon version and it is all gold. Always all gold. It is all gold. This week on Film Bastards, we are not reviewing Zombieland Double Tap because Mark and Becky went to see it and it was sold out. So we are going to uh, we are going to review it next week. Instead, we've got some Netflix watches. We have got Babak Anvari's new one, Wounds. We have got Steven Soderbergh's second film this year. The Laundromat, and we've got the latest patron review, taking a look at Terry Gilliam's seminal classic, Brazil. Uh, uh, Ian, is this, which number film is this of uh, Steven Soderbergh that we've covered on the podcast since he retired? (laughs) I think that that irks me every (laughs) fucking time we do one. (laughs) It constantly bothers me. So we did... We did side effects. Right, no, side effects was like the one that you said was going to be his last before he retired. Yeah, but he had retired a few times before that, hadn't he? Had he? Um, but that was it, he was definitely retiring. And then we yeah. did Logan Lucky, Unsane, High Flying Bird, and we've just done Marge from that. One, two, three, four in, in the space of around 18 months. And what a fucking random assortment of films as well. I mean, High Flying Bird and the Laundromat, the kind of like the whole business focus of them, fair enough. But Logan Lucky, Unsane, and then High Flying Bird and the Laundromat. It's it's crazy. I'm looking forward to rewatching Unsane, and one day we're gonna we're gonna have a conversation about that. 
Yeah, I, 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 I think I need to rewatch that because the more I think back on it, the more I think I am wrong. So do I. Yeah, which so I, 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 I'm looking, I'm, I'm wanting to rewatch it because I, I, I genuinely want to be wrong about it. I want to watch it and go, yes, yes, I was wrong. I knew I was wrong. I was clearly just being a dickhead when I watched it. I'll tell you what, though, that and High Flying Bird are two really interesting examples of how different films can look when shot on iPhones. Yes. Because they were both shot on iPhone, weren't they, I believe? But Unsane was like proper fucking raw and High Flying Bird, he had like specially made lenses and all sorts of shit. Yeah, and it it was it was the most shot on an iPhone and I'm doing bunny ears on a podcast, but shot on an iPhone film ever made. Yeah. Yeah, bunny ears. Are we following? Yeah, bunny ears. Bunny ears. Sorry, Bex, that's a thing. That is a thing. I've never heard it called that before. That's your problem. Oh, clearly. (laughs) You often say that a lot of things I say are things. That is one that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. What was I going to say? Um, I'm really looking forward to, uh, at Jordan's wedding, getting my iPhone out and taking some wide-angle pictures. <laughs> you can get some fucking weird shit, like weird fucking-looking photos on my on my phone now. I'm kind of looking forward to playing about that with that when we've had a few. Yeah, um, that, that, could be, that could be amusing. <laughs> so... Just to say, this is going to be the last episode released before Jordan and Lauren's wedding. I just want to say um, from all of us, massive congrats to uh, to you both. Um, I'm sure you'll be very happy. I'm very, very jealous of Jordan um, because he's getting a 55-inch OLED TV. Uh, uh, um, but, you know, fuck you, Jord. But um, all the best, and I'm sure it's going to be an absolutely cracking day. Um, is that the really, get the TV or is one in there? What the TV? Yeah. And the cracking day is that the day he gets the TV? Oh no no well um. What well, I'm no I'm not going to say the thing I was about to say um. <laughs> I mean both days will be fantastic days. It's just the fact that he's getting a fucking OLED. <laughs> you get so angry about that, are you? It's going to look so good. <laughs> it's going to look so good uh, one day i can't complain about my 4k tv is my second 4k tv because i'm mental no or is it my third i think it might be your third. i can't even remember how many 4k tvs i've had that's really bad it's fucking bad <laughs> no i've had i've had two or have i no, I've had two. I've had two. I've had two. I've had two. Two? Two. I've had two. Um, yeah, no, because I remember, like, I bought this one, then I sold my other one on eBay, and I was kind of surprised by how much, how much I got for the old one, considering that it wasn't HDR, and I was actually really pleased, and I felt bad, kind of bad, because I thought the guy who was buying it might not have known that. But, you know, I gave the model number and everything. It's like... You do a bit of research, so never mind. Um, but yeah, Jordan's TV, it does Dolby Vision. It does, obviously, HDR. Um, it looks like an absolute banger. But also, uh, congrats, Jord, because you're punching above. Um, 
In terms of TV and wife. Yes. I kind of went off on a weird trail there. I'm sorry. It's all good. Um, so, we got any news this week? Anything happened? Um, Tarantino has said, fuck you, China. I'm not censoring once upon a time in Hollywood. Good for Tarantino. Have you, re- have you heard about this? Yes, I have, yeah. Yeah, so... It was supposed to get a release in China, and then um, the family of Bruce Lee complained to the Chinese government, and China said, you're going to have to cut it. And Tarantino has said, nope, just don't release it. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, I'm, I'm sure he had to have a conversation with Sony about that, but, you know, good on him. Well, but the thing is, he has absolute final cut, so... The thing is, with the the thing, this happens a lot. China asks for things to be cut an awful lot, and a lot of the time, the stuff gets cut. Mm. Um, Like there's there's times where um, if there's product placements in films and those products aren't available in the US, in the in, in China, those bits get cut out of films. Right. So often those kind of things can happen. Or the, for instance, I thought I, 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 I swear there's something like there's certain brand logos that they're not allowed to show uh, in Chinese cinemas. Would make sense. Yeah. So then I, 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 I want to say one of them is Apple, but it might not be. But I think it is. I think Apple, I don't know show Apple, the Apple logo. Oh, Apple. They don't sell Apple products in China, do they? Well, no, they, they no, they do. I mean, one of the, one of the big one of the big criticisms from Tim Cook at the moment is the fact that um, he's kind of kowtowing to um, the Chinese government with um, uh, so there was an app for tracking the protests happening in Hong Kong, and um, they got that delisted off of the App Store, and it was kind of seen that it seen that Tim Cook was basically just like saying okay china don't you know don't fuck up our iphone sales so <laughs> yeah so that, that there is that i mean it's it's this whole it's interesting because you've got this whole thing about um how uh, china seems to be buying more and more into hollywood film and it kind of the hollywood studios are starting to get some backlash like there was um uh, there was some controversy about um that the, the fucking animated film i talked about last week abominable um because what was it there was it showed a map of the tibet region which used a chinese version of the division lines which is really like contested in in the area um and it's it again kind of that film was co-produced by um a chinese company and it, which, which the company itself is actually apparently partly funded by the Chinese government. So it, it's all very intermingled at the moment. It seems like Hollywood's been happy to accept Chinese money, but now China's kind of turning the screws on what isn't isn't allowed to be done. Like um, uh, the South Park got in some shit. Um, it's been like bat, like basically wiped off the face of the earth in China because of an episode where they um, criticised 
China's response to an I think an NBA coach tweeted in sympathy yeah. of Hong Kong protesters. Yeah, he did. Yeah. China, uh, South Park makes a joke about that. China wipes South Park off the face of the earth. It's like Winnie the Pooh in 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 China. Yeah. You're not allowed to mention Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, because because of his resemblance to the Chinese. Like Pen- prime minister or yeah. uh, it, it's fucking mental. So just back to the original point. Good on Tarantino for just step like stepping up and going. Do you know what? No, I mean like. It, the whole Bruce Lee estate stuff is an absolute fucking trash fire anyway with that film. But the fact that he's basically gone, no, I've got a final cut. I'm not letting you do this. And I'm sure like Sony will probably like, we'd really quite like that box office money. But then again, that film has performed really, really, really well. And it, it, it would be interesting to see if the film hadn't performed well, whether it would have worked out like that, but every, you know, everybody's in the clear on that film. So I think, I, I think they've just gone, do you know what? Fuck it. Write it off. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You know, it's, they've gone, do you know what? We, we, we made as much money as we hoped we'd make. Um, and the best way we can keep Tarantino on side with this is to just go, do you know what? We won't bother. Uh, no, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I'm sure so- Sony really want to be in the Tarantino game going forward, don't they? Um, I mean, who wouldn't want to be? That's it. You know, it's he's it's going to be interesting what happens with Tarantino going forward. Yeah, no, I mean, it'd be fascinating. Sorry, I just want to look up the worldwide gross on Once Upon a uh, Time in Hollywood. 366 million. Three, yeah, 360. Yeah, 66. How fucking good is that for a near three hour long R rated film? It's mental that an R-rated movie's made that much. I mean, in this day and age as well, just that's that is fucking fantastic. It's been a weirdly good year for cinema in terms of uh, films that weren't that have made a shit ton of money that weren't expecting to it. There's not been there's not been as many of the bombs that people were expecting. And I mean, that's the thing. The bombs that kind of had happened. It's like Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. It's open to like number one in the US, but it only made like $35 million. But it's like, who the fuck asked for a sequel to Maleficent? Well, that's it. We 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 were uh, talking about that when we were coming out of the cinema that we didn't see the film at. Uh, and we're saying, you know, it's nobody cared. You didn't need to make it. It just kind of feels like, the first one did pretty fucking well worldwide, but it it was almost like right we've done that. Why take your chances again? I mean like um Disney got burned by this with Alice through the Looking Glass, and yet they still pressed ahead with Mistress of Evil. It literally feels like Bob Iger was under contract by someone to make a Maleficent sequel, let alone anybody else. I I. I, I it's I I do think that that um, well there's a a big rumor that the push was from Jolie's camp was look she's under contract for it she wants to make it fucking make it and they kind of went well we're not sure and then eventually they went you know what let's just do it let's just I mean, do it because we'll make a bit of money and. It, it, and, and Jolie's been behind it in, in terms of um, uh, uh, publicity. She's been doing the rounds and you get the sense that Jolie doesn't have to do that if she doesn't want to. I think I think she's 
she's looking at it and going, do you know what? I kind of want a career back. Well, I mean, like she's in the Eternals. That will fucking that 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 will do wonders for her, unless it's a one film kind of thing. That that would be interesting. Like, would Angelina Jolie actually sign up to a multi-film Marvel contract? Yes. Yeah, maybe yeah, that's the thing. Maybe she would in this day and age. Yeah, she she, she would because because she's she's tried to do the artist thing and it, it and, and the director thing and I actually don't mind her as a director to be honest, but it hasn't worked for her. So maybe she looked at it and gone, do you know what? That that hasn't worked. Maybe I do. Maybe I do just look and go, do you know what? Fuck it. I've won an Academy Award. I've tried that. It ain't works. Do I just now go and try and get some fucking money in the bank a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying she's on a breadline or anything like that, but, you know, she's... She can make... She, she, she needs to get back to being a name that can actually sell a film, because she was for a while. Well, that's the thing. I mean, she was she was above the title on, on the marketing for Maleficent. Yeah. So they obviously think she's still got cachet, but I think that's I, contractual. Yeah, well, yeah, you'd imagine so, wouldn't you? But it was like, has she actually been in a big film since the first Maleficent? No, she's not been in. A, she, she she's not done a lot. I mean, I want I want to watch By the Sea at some point. That film that she directed with her and Brad Pitt in. Yeah. Just because it kind of like it, there's an almost like eyes wide shut esque like morbid curiosity to see in two actors in the kind of like the waning time of their relationship acting on screen together and seeing what that vibe is. So with the issue, she did so much for so long. She was very prolific from like the the late nineties. From like ninety nine up to up to like, you know, 2011 and then literally since then it's been a handful of things yeah yeah it's just um odd odd career and it, it just it doesn't feel like it quite popped for her directorially um it'd be interesting to see if she gets another shot it's like it's one of those things where it's like talking about female driven comic book movies and stuff and it's like Angelina Jolie directing a comic book film could be quite interesting. Um, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. But I, it's like, I don't know, 20 years ago, she'd be doing fucking Margot Robbie type shit. Like if, if, if it was her 20 years ago now, she'd be doing Margot Robbie type stuff. And that, that could have been interesting. But we got Margot Robbie instead now. So it's quite a good swap, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. Um, which segueing in beautifully into trailers yep bombshell interesting i'm, I'm interested about the film uh the trailer is a decent trailer again i'm getting irritated with songs in trailers at the moment everything irritates you no yeah true um but i'm getting irritated by songs in trailers where i'm listening to it going what what why? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. <laughs> what song is it? It's some Billie Eilish song, but it's a bit like... Oh, yeah. It, it, it's a bit like, right, you've tried to choose. You, you've chosen an artist and then found a song for the trailer rather than just going, well, I'm going to put this... It doesn't... 
trailer doesn't need to have a song. That trailer doesn't need to have a song no. over it. No, and it's quite overpowering on the trailer. Yeah. But I'm very much looking forward to the, the, the film. It's got it's got three actors who look like they're really fucking up for this movie. Mm. It, it feels like three actresses who could take up 30% of the entire actress nominations in the Oscars. Mm. Like it, it really does. I mean, like shot, and also in terms of like best makeup and hairstyling. It, it kind of feels like what the fuck competes with Charlize Theron in this this year. Yeah. But then again, I still always go back to the American Hustle thing. American Hustle was not nominated for best um, makeup and hair. And that film is 70% makeup and hair. <laughs> yeah, but it's 30% science oven. Huh? It's 30% science oven. <laughs> Fair player. <laughs> I want to watch American Hustle again. I enjoyed the fuck out of that, and I've got I, a feeling I, I, I still would. Yeah, I, I really liked American Hustle. Yeah. I will happily Be- rewatch that. Bex, have you seen that? I have. I don't remember it very well. I, I remember not liking it as much as you did, though. I liked it. I don't, don't know. I question how good a film it is, mm. <laughs> but I really liked it. It's preposterous. It's a film that's very much that I remember it being a film that very much is in love with its own vibe. Yeah. But it's got a science of them. But it has a science of them. I don't, I don't remember. We'll, we'll rewatch it next. Okay. We can't rewatch this week. It's got an awful lot of Terminator to watch, but we'll rewatch we it. Do. We've got so much Terminator to watch. I'm literally starting the first one tonight. Well, we 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 have already started. Um, yeah, we've done the first we've one. We've done the first one. But that's it. And then we've done the best one. Fuck off, Bex. All the non-canon ones. I bought Genesis on iTunes. <laughs> to be honest, I'm already thinking I fucking just watch it because it's 4K. I watch it and then I just get a refund. <laughs> it's on Netflix, so that's the way we're watching it. <laughs> Excellent. But it's 4K. Uh, it's free. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You beat me there. Um, yeah, bombshell. It it, it just it, it looks like a a good important in speech marks film to watch, but it looks like it will be entertaining. Bex, any thoughts? Yeah, I I actually think it looks pretty good to be honest. I don't. It, it's not really a the type of film that I would normally go. Ooh, but yeah, it does look quite good. Nice. Yeah, I agree. Um, is there is there anything else? It kind of feels like it's been slow. No, we we were just saying that yeah. earlier when we went to look for trailers. We're like, there haven't been anything. There's been bombshell, and that has literally been been it. Mm. It, it. It's it feels like the past few weeks have been a little bit like cinema's gone. We're just have a bit of a break. We're just gonna have a bit of a break. Everybody, plan your plan your holiday time, your annual leave, right? For like the last week in September, sometime between that and the third week in in October, <laughs> just take it there because we're just gonna we're just gonna power down a little bit before Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think we'll we'll start ramping up a bit. Like it, it, it's odd. Um, Dark Fate comes out over here a week before the US, and so does Doctor Sleep. So it kind of feels like maybe next year we uh, sorry next week we won't get much, but then the week after. 
for Dark Fate in the US, we'll get some stuff. And then the week after the Doctor Sleep in the US, we'll get some stuff. Um, we'll see, though. Like, I know um, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker trailer is due tomorrow. And there's been rumours for a while that a Bond teaser is forthcoming. So it kind of it kind of feels like we'll start getting some things soon. And to be fair, Bond's out in fucking April. Shit, is it? Yeah, like they probably need to drop a teaser pretty soon on that, considering we're like six months away. Fuck yeah, that I didn't realize it was April. I just assumed for some reason that it'd be like November or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was supposed to be uh, Valentine's Day, and then it got it, it got delayed. Um, oh, did Craig Craig have another fucking injury or something? Yeah. On set? That was it. Yeah. So th- then they had to delay it, but yeah, now it looks like it's going to be April. So. Um, which is a great time for a Bond film um, because it feels like that's the time where you can have no competition around it, release yeah. it around Easter and just fucking bask in those fucking bank holiday numbers. Um, it's, it's, it's a good plan from, um, from universal that fair play. Um, okay, cool. So, well, let's let's get into it then. I mean, we've been recording for nigh on fifty minutes. If um if you listen to the Patreon version, so uh oh also um this podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate Network. Um, Chinstroker versus Punter put up their top ten horror films episode um uh, today as we record. Um, I think his film, her movie, I don't think have released this week, but you know, wedding prep, so fair play. Okay. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so uh, but yeah, uh, we are uh, podsyndicate.com. Uh, come and join us. Um, so, Wounds is the direct, the, the, the directed by uh, Baba Kenvari and stars Army Hammer, Dakota Johnson, and Zazie Beats. And this concerns a guy who works in a bar, played by Army Hammer who um, finds a mobile phone after a ruckus is caused in the bar in which he works. And um, he takes it home one night and he sees messages on there, which uh, where somebody in a group chat is talking about, about something being with him. And uh, well, yeah, let's, let's, let's take it from there. So wounds it's on Netflix uh, premiered at Sundance in January to not great word. Uh, it's directed by uh, uh, Babak Anvari, um, who directed Under the Shadow, which got some really good word a few years back. Interesting film. Feels like feel it felt very indebted to Del Toro um, in its kind of subtle, real world, fantastical, but fantastical horror. Did, have you guys seen Under the Shadow? No. Very different from Wounds. Um, but, yeah. I am fucking fascinated to see what you two thought of this. Bex, Wounds. Um, I, I actually really quite enjoyed it. I want to I wanna rewatch it, to be perfectly honest with you, to kind of see if it explains itself any better than I feel like it did. Um, the the major flaw obviously is it doesn't explain itself very well. There's not an awful lot of kind of explanation as to what's going on. Um, but a- atmosphere wise and and like vibe wise, I really enjoyed it. 
it, it, I'll, I'll be I'll, honest. This does kind of feel a bit like Beck's nip to me because it almost feels like it could have been based on a short story by Stephen King. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> based on a novella called Vis- The Visible Filth. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, no, I, I, I liked it. It was creepy. There was bugs. Mark has a massive phobia of cockroaches, so it was fun to watch him squirm. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, 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 I really quite enjoyed it. I thought, I thought it was well... Like the performances in it were good as well, but it just doesn't explain itself very well. Well, I'm 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 weirdly all right with that. No. What was that noise? It was my alarm going off. Right. Okay. <laughs> Why have you got an alarm set for 7:32 on a Sunday night? <laughs> I haven't. I've got a 10-minute timer set so that I can go take my biscuits out of the oven. Oh right. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um. Well, you go do that and. <laughs> I'll I'll ask Mark what he thought of Wings. I really liked it up until a point of where I, and I went, ah, oh, all right. It it, it 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 left me a little bit. It, it, it left me a little bit flat. And the thing is, it's not the ending that left me flat. I was I'm I'm fine with the ending. It's the way the last shot is constructed. That bothered me and left me going, oh, right. What the fact you can't really you can't really make out what exactly. I I I I, I, I can get on board with that. I don't like the fact I don't I, I don't like it when stuff hits the the lens essentially and hits the screen. Okay. It, it it bothers me. It takes me completely out of a film. It takes me out of it because it. it I'm not playing a first-person shooter. That isn't a first-person shooter. Those things aren't landing on my face. It, it, it completely takes me out of it. It's a reason what takes me out of, you know, the, the, the big long um, the long shot in um, Children of Men, True. where they're running from that place to the other place and the, everything kicking off. What oh, when the, when the dirt and the blood goes on the camera. Yeah, it bugs the shit out of me. Oh, that's- Great. Why? Because I'm not. Because I'm not. It's not a first-person shooter. No, I'm but not, the whole. It's the in the shit vibe. But, I, but I, no, I I never buy the in the shit thing. That's just an excuse for shaky camera work. I, I oh, never that's harsh, man. I, I it's, so it's 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 what has always bothered me about Children of Men. It, it's why I, I I it's a great film, but it's why I I I I have problems with it, and that I have problems with the end of Wounds for that. The thing is. For wounds, again, it's atmosphere and it's the and the performances, and I enjoyed spending time with with Army Hammer's character. Um, but the thing is, this film, it, it's what it does is it seems to start spinning a load of plates and then just go, I can't be fucking bothered anymore, and just walk away from them and do yeah. something else. And it's like you're watching going. Wait a minute, the plates. What what's going on with that? And it's going. Oh no, fuck it, forget about it, forget about it. I'm going to try and pull this rabbit out of this fucking hat now. And going. So we're, we're done with the plates then. Yeah, fucking ignore them. I'm just going to pull this rabbit out of this hat. And like, right. So you're not going to do anything <laughs> with all these things that you've set up. 
We're not going to address the fact that he's clearly an alcoholic. Uh, we're not going to. We're not going to address. There's, there's just there's too many things to think of now that it just it doesn't the threads that it starts that it just doesn't go any fucking way near. <laughs> you know, Dakota Johnson. I, I'm baffled as to why she read that script and went, yeah. I thought exactly the same. That woman does not... That woman doesn't need to do this. I mean, to be fair, Army Hammer doesn't either, but she does not need to do this film. I can see why Army Hammer's gone. All right, yeah, okay, I'm interested in that. But Dakota Johnson, it's literally... And the only thing is, is I think she's read it and she's gone, well, that's not really... I don't don't really know why, why... There's not really a part there or anything like that. And Army Hammer's been sat next to her and gone, go on, we get to hang out in New Orleans for, a, for, for three, four weeks. We'll get shit-faced. I promise you. I'm, I'm supposed to be drunk all the time. We'll just, we'll, we'll party. And she's gone, uh, all right, fair enough. Yeah, go on. I mean, I, 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 to be fair, I mean, like, Under the Shadow was a film that seems to get a, you know, a good bit of notice. And to be fair, Anvari's gone too. I, I, I believe um, her second film, and it's like Annapurna are behind it, you know, and um, and I could see Johnson maybe reading it and going, I don't quite see what's there on the page, but I think she's got an interesting style and let's, you know, OK, let's give it a go. But it's Johnson's character is symptomatic of the entire film for me because it's either she's absolutely playing what is needed which is completely disconnected does not give a fuck about the man she's living with and the only time she ever really gets animated is when she chews him out in her final scene yeah because that is her final scene isn't it when he says i'm leaving you it is yeah i think we should break up and then she just chews him out he and at one point he literally turns around and says, you know, to Jenny B, you know, that she doesn't she doesn't love me about she doesn't like me. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that, that that's it, and it's like, but then, uh, it, it, so it's either she's just playing that completely, or she's just like horribly, what the fuck are you doing here? Um, and I I can't decide which. This film is so messy. Yeah, it is so messy. It, and, it is because I, I was talking about it after, after we watched it, um, and it was it's weird because I can't actually tell you what the actual fucking story is, other than he finds a phone and there's some stuff on it. That's it, and then. Like, if it, if it wasn't if it wasn't for the fact that Dakota Johnson sees the stuff on the phone, I'd say all of the supernatural shit was in his head, and it's just like him just completely losing his mind. Yeah. yeah. But, but 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 unless does anyone else see her? Is she gonna see with anybody else? Mm, well, yeah, he drops her off. At... But you never see her, do you? You never see well, what is it? He drops her off. She's she never has any any other interaction with the film with anybody she, else. She hugs that Steve guy, the professor. But that's from his viewpoint. 
No, that's true. I mean, there's a massive unreliable narrator um, thing going on with this film. Mm. Um, but and it oh. seems to really suggest that in, in like the last five, ten minutes or so when he's just completely gone off the reservation. But before that, like you say, plate spinning all over the place. But if you do read it like that, then it's like the black car that's following him around and like he mentions it once and then it's never brought up again. It's like, yeah. maybe that's just because it's his adult mind. Um, his relationship with Zazie beats. It kind of seems like at the start that they, they've known each other for a while, but who's to say that like, it, it's it, like, she's just someone who's been in the bar for a couple of times and he's really, really just gotten attached to her. Like who, like who's to say, um it there, there are a number of readings of this film but i don't think that's intentional i think it's just because the film is so incoherently constructed yeah it, 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 it's messy and it, at points it has it has very much it has a very much i know it's the, the second movie but it has a very first film vibe to it um in the sense that you you, you can look at it and go it, it's got a very film student-y vibe to it. Mm, yeah, it does, yeah. Um, which is, isn't necessarily a criticism. But the I get the feeling the bits that the filmmaker thinks are interesting were the least interesting bits to me. And it, if it had been a different actor, then I, I wouldn't have been as interested. But mm. I enjoyed spending time with, with Army Hammer. I was mildly perturbed that he was wearing a T-shirt that he dropped his missus off at college in and then wore throughout the day, then wore through the night, then slept in and then wore the next morning. It's been like, dude, take the fucking T-shirt off. (laughs) (laughs) What an odd thing to pick up on. It just, it it, it felt like he should have taken the T-shirt off. Yeah? Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just, I really like spending time with it, but I, 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 I can't quantifiably say it, it's a good movie because I don't think it is that good a movie. No. No, I mean it's, it's not a good, it, it, it's not a good movie. I, but it's annoying as well because there are aspects of what could have been. Yeah. Um, I, I'd like that. I mean, I think I said to you, Mark, in the WhatsApp, but it's like that last shot, I, just that last sequence, I wish the rest of the film had moments that were that batshit. Yeah, that's it. It, it, it is. It, it's it's frustrating because you look at it going, it, it doesn't do anything. There's, there's been an awful lot of images on a phone movies. Yeah. And it's like, right. This one doesn't, it's not that it doesn't even do anything new with it. It doesn't even do anything with it. They're just images on a phone. And then nothing else happens with it. It, it, It's. That's what leads him to like investigate it, isn't it? But but he gets nowhere. Yeah. At all. (laughs) And And just, you know, he's reading up all this stuff about like wounds being portals or whatever. And it, it's like, okay, but how does that relate to the head, like the, like the head, the heads on tables, yeah. and 
like that shot of Dakota Johnson like looking at the screen and her looking all fucking pale and shit and then putting her in that bar I mean this is just the, how messy this film is you've got that whole sequence where it does that and he puts her in the bath and it's all bloody and then she kind of comes out of it and then the next morning it's like none of that ever really happened but oh by the way i think we should break up yeah it's like just what the fuck like, it, 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 it's yeah it, it, it's so all but it, it does feel like there's a it feels like a movie where it's gotten away from the director. Yeah. But like, she wrote it as well. That's the thing. Yeah, but it, it's like there's a... But it's, 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 from a, it's from a book, isn't it? Or a novella. So it feels like... I, I, I'd like to read the novella to see how different it is. Mm. But it, it seems like the, the, the somewhere there's a two and a half hour cut of this movie that makes even fucking less sense. <laughs> Not that makes more sense, that makes less sense. And she's gone, right, well, I didn't go anywhere with that, so I'll have to just cut that bit out. And I didn't go anywhere with that, and I'll have to cut that bit out. And I went somewhere with that, but it, it didn't work, so I'm going to cut that bit out. And it got to it and gone, oh, this is what I have. Yeah. And you look at it going, right, so you were making, you were making this big sort of massive three-course meal with all of these different ingredients and all these things and what you have left is is a hamburger bun and some udon noodles what's going on there oh there's a cockroach walking across there what the fuck is going on with this (laughs) i don't know i don't know either will netflix buy it (laughs) well yeah i mean i'm having a face on it that's the thing. It's like I don't. I don't think Annapurna have sold a film to Netflix before. I might. I might be wrong, but I don't remember them being a big Netflix one. It kind of almost feels like they they got behind this, thinking right, A twenty four have got that prestige horror shit down. We want a piece of this. Yeah. We're gonna have Army Hammer. We're gonna have Dakota Johnson, Zazy Beats. We've got a director who made a really well regarded horror film a few years back. Let's do this. And what happens? Wounds happens. And it, and it has also, to be sold to Netflix. As well, before it got sold to Netflix, it was, and I think it did a little bit of festival bits, it had a fucking great poster. Oh, yeah, the image of Hammer on the phone. Yeah, which is which is more interesting, and a more interesting image than pretty much 99% of the images in the film. <laughs> um, but, I, but the things, I'm watching it going, I would watch a Army Hammer has full fucking alcoholic breakdown movie. I would watch that. That seems like a more interesting movie than the movie that's being made. Well, that's the thing. I would watch the next 20 minutes following the final shot where he just goes down the fucking rabbit hole. Yeah. I want to watch that film. Yeah. I don't really want to watch the film where he has a kind of a thing with Zazy Beats and has like one of the least energetic breakups of all time. Um, Even though Dakota Johnson's fucking chewing him out is the one moment where it was like, okay, cool. I'm glad Dakota Johnson's in this. Yeah. Just the whole fucking, just like, like when he's like that, the whole her just going, yeah, okay. And him going like, I thought you'd be a bit more upset. (laughs) And it's just like, she's just like, well, I was a little bit hurt, but you know what? Now I'm just fucking angry. You are hollow. You love nothing. You can't have anything because you don't want anything. You know, just that 
monologue is so good and she does so well with it and it's just like what the fuck are you doing in this film dakota johnson because you are too good the issue i I have with 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 dakota johnson in this movie is dakota johnson takes a lot of shit because she made the 50 shades movies yeah so she takes a lot of shit that not because she made it up because it's it's the same thing as the robert pattinson the kirsten stewart thing it's Guilty by association with those movies. Whether or not people... It's from people who didn't even watch those movies. Mm. Who will just pick it. And I, I love those fucking movies. So I'm allowed to fucking say this shit. Right? But one thing that she often gets phrased at is that she's quite... She's low energy. Yeah. And that she's... She lacks personality. I think it's complete fucking bullshit. Um, completely. But the problem is... For the first half of this movie, it kind of backs that theory up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's not her fault. No, well, that's the movie, isn't it? That, 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 that's the movie's fault. So I'm a little bit annoyed at the casting of, of that because it, it gives I like to, yeah, it gives people more ammunition. I like Dakota Johnson as an actress. I think she's a great screen presence. Mm. And but then you, you, the thing is, you realise with that final monologue that that performance is. I think is completely intentional because yeah, it is absolutely. she's just done with him, but she loves him. She just she wants to see if he, he's just gonna work out this shit. But as soon as he says, I think we should break up She's like, Thank fuck. Yeah, yeah, just like right, yeah, cool. All right. Uh, yeah. It's a little bit like at least one of us has the balls to say it. Uh, the thing is they Army Hammer and Dakota Johnson in, in a movie seems perfect. Because Dakota Johnson seems like if she were a guy, she'd be Army Hammer. And Army <laughs> Hammer, if he was a girl, he'd be Dakota Johnson. Mm. You know, neither of them neither of them have to neither of them are ever going to be jobbing actors. They don't they, they've chosen acting as a profession because it's something they want to do. Neither of them have to work. No. You know, they both come from wealthy backgrounds, they're both very, very smart people. Um and they're both very, very beautiful people. And, but to that, it, it seems perfect. And it, it kind of is when they're on screen together. Yeah. I enjoy watching them on screen together. But I'm not sure if that's because I enjoy watching both of them on screen or because I enjoyed watching them on screen in this movie. No, I mean, I, I think Army Hammer is weirdly miscast because... He just he doesn't look like a guy who dropped out of college to become a bartender and now he's an alcoholic. It just it. But I I I think he he kind of does in a way that it reminds me of to a not exactly but uh, my own private Idaho. Um, the Keanu Reeves character in that, where he basically chooses to live that life, knowing that he's always he can always just walk away from it. And be fine, and basically says once he hits twenty-one, that's what he will do. It almost feels that character almost feels a little bit like this. I get the feeling he could just literally just go one day go, yeah, fuck it, I need to go back to do this, <laughs> and just sort his life out in a fucking instant. <laughs> I don't know. It just he's not. He's until the later stages of the film, he just looks too put together. Yeah, it's Harvey Hammer. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean that's the thing. It, it he does he doesn't he he's not 
because he looks really intense by the end of the film and haggard, but not, but still kind of haggard, but chiseled. It's like chiseled haggard. And it's like, he just needed to be a bit more, a bit more schlubby at the start. This is it. The weird thing about Army Hammer, again, I like Army Hammer, but he has a very, he has a very way he can carry himself. Yeah. And, and so I think, he's, I think Army Hammer's a very good actor, but he has a very strong confidence to himself. Yeah. Um, and so when you take something like that, where it's supposed to be a guy breaking down, um, like you say, it, 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 you don't feel that that guy would break down in these situations. Yeah, it seems unconvincing. Whereas somebody like, for instance, um, Jake Gyllenhaal in Demolition, for instance, mm. when he has that breakdown, Jake Gyllenhaal has a different way that he can carry that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think also you could put um, Enemy, um, Jake Gyllenhaal, breaking down in that. Mm. A, a very similar in terms of um, tone and atmosphere movie to something like Wounds. Should watch Enemy again. Yeah, well, I feel like I need to watch Enemy again. I was just literally getting my phone up to check if it's on anything. <laughs> it's a good show. Uh, I think we might actually have it on iTunes. Yeah. I think so. Um, kind of seems like we're wrapping up. Yeah, I, it's. I'm touching claw because. I don't think it's a great movie, but I was fine with it. So I'm a Geostar. Not so bad it's good, though, is it? No, but... The it's movie's bad, but, but bad. the performance... Is good. Yeah, I'm touching cloth on it. Yeah. I think, I think, I, 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 well. I think that's fair to say. I'm touching cloth on I really, it. I, I, but I will watch I really it again. I enjoyed it and I want to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I can't argue that it's a good film. I mean, I, I'm I'm gonna go definitely shit, but I I think there are moments of interest in there. Um, would it would no in in no way would I say it's one of the worst films of the year, but it's one of the messiest. And yeah. in terms of some of the moments that are in it, I think it's 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 disappointing. Um, sorry, go. On. So I, I mean, I, yeah, I can absolutely agree with you on that. In the fact, it is disappointing because I was watching, going, "This should be a lot better than it is." It, 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 yeah, it should be better, and it's even more annoying because every now and then there's a moment where it's just like, "This could have been better." Yeah, um, I mean, our audience poll was definitely not shit, zero percent. Uh, touching cloth, sixty-seven percent, and shit, thirty-three percent. That sounds about right. It, we, yeah, it does actually. That that feels quite kind of fitting, to be honest. It feels like it feels like that. that yeah, I can see why. I can absolutely see why you think it's shitty, and I I, I can't. I don't blame you. I couldn't argue with it. Um, but I, I think that we better think because it is more your vibe that you've got on it like that. And I just like Army Hammer and Dakota Johnson. So. <laughs> Fair are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. 
it just really it's isn't. not visually striking no I just just getting confirmation it's just in that's the third time though I mean am I, is this on you can find us at csvsp.libson.com so come and share the victory if you could fuck any man in film who would it be and why my answer is Lance Henriksen oh. you, he wouldn't tell he looks like somebody <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep, keep a secret Ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? Put, putting four and five-year-olds in front of this movie, it's like if they didn't know what death was before this, they're gonna know it after it. They're gonna know it after it, and they're gonna be freaking terrified. And they're gonna be questioning you. Yeah. Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one has a cold, dead heart? Yeah, the Dark Knight has got like all the orphans, and like, oh no, we're gonna die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, it's like kill them. Then look no further, the His Film, Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right, I'm going to go for a wee and get a couple of drinks. Uh, do you guys want to maybe kick off some what we watched? Yep. Boom, I'll let you start off next. Oh, I can't go first. You go first. I got confused. Just go Halloween 3. <laughs> yeah, so we did watch Halloween 3. Um, I've been trying to get Mark to, to get on board with some, some Halloween horror watching, and uh, this was as far as I got. Um, so Halloween 3 is fucking mental um it's completely unrelated to the rest of the franchise apart from the fact that it shows a couple of shots of halloween it was, it was supposed to be the idea of before it was they were going to say halloween was not going to continue the michael myers story yeah it's going to be like an anthology franchise yeah that, yeah. that um that carpenter would oversee mm. and then when this didn't perform as well as they thought it that kind of got kind of bushed good time though it is a great time but i think when the mistake they made was they took um they caught halloween three and then there's no michael myers in it yeah so people went thinking it was what is it and it wasn't it was more of this it, it was a bit too zany it is quite zany uh, i think there you've got tom um Aitkins in it, 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 it again just playing just uh, what is it about John Carpenter just thinking that Tom Hanks is a Lothario. <laughs> oh yeah, he's in the uh, fog. As well. Fog, yeah, yeah, where literally he picks up Jamie Lee Curtis and then within minutes just fucks her. Yeah. Uh, and then it's the same thing here. It's like just that woman. Uh, what's her name? Um, I can't remember her name. Yeah. 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 She she literally just starts throwing herself at him straight away. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I like the fact that he. He's a terrible person. Like, literally, he's there saying, no, I've got to go to a conference. I've got to go to a conference. I can't get out of it. It's just a bunch of boring doctors. I've got to go to a conference. On a way, I'm not. I'm going to grab my sixer of beer off the top of the lot, <laughs> is it? And I'm going to go and get in the car with this fucking hot shit that I am literally just trying to nail. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to solve this thing a little bit, but nailing is higher <laughs> on my list. 
I'm Tom Atkins, so that shit is happening. Oh, have um, you been watching Halloween 3? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> just saying, it, 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 the mentalness of our Tom Atkins is, it, it, is like a super fucking hunk. Oh, uh, where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? Well, that's yeah. a stupid question, Miss Grimbridge. That's just, it's the best. <laughs> it's, it's mental. I, I, yeah, I thought this was, this was right. So I'm, I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before when we've been talking about Tommy Atkins, but this is how Tommy Atkins' um, bio on IMDb starts. Handsome, rugged, versatile and charismatic character actor Tommy Atkins. <laughs> Honestly, I promise you, next that is how it starts, isn't it? It, it is. <laughs> the thing is, I like Tom Atkins, but Becky is Tom Atkins that handsome? Like, like you've just met him. Fuck it, gonna throw yourself at him. Yeah, yeah, he's not, is he? Yeah. Not a bad looking guy. He's not a bad looking guy. No, I'm not. I'm not trying to fucking hold the guy down. But he, he, he's not Army Hammer, is he? He's not Army Hammer, no. Well, I don't, just, to be fair, he, I don't think I'd actually be able to form coherent sentences in Army Hammer's presence. I fucking wrote an article, The Sartorial Supremacy of Army Hammer, because that's how good I think he looks. <laughs> he is a, a striking-looking man. He is. Jesus. Good-looking boy. Yeah. But Tom Atkins, I mean, like, he fucking... Like that character just feels like the kind of person who like he'd get up in the morning about like seven, half seven in the morning and just take the most spluttery beer shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The thing is, you get the feeling that, that Dr. Dan Chalice, without question, if, if, yeah, stop showing me pictures of fucking Army Hammer. <laughs> if, if he were around now, he for sure would have Snapchat Snapchat his picture of his dick to questionable children. Children? Like I'm talking like seventeen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Without question. Yeah. Yeah. He he in future fucked one of his daughter's best friends. <laughs> That's a sneak peek of the laundromat, that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, good point. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Halloween season three, season of which I I do love it. It is a lot of fun. That's that's a that's a film that it's like I can only watch around Halloween. Yeah, but not every year. I like I have to have a bit of a gap with Halloween three. I, I think it's one of the few ones that I can watch every year. Yeah. I I I, I, like, I I couldn't watch Halloween every year. Oh, I could. I I, I don't think I could. I, I need a bit of a break from it. But I I, I can watch Halloween three every year. Mm. I I almost alternate between Halloween and Halloween three because I didn't watch Halloween last year, which is weird considering the new Halloween came out last year. But I'm pretty fucking sure I didn't watch it last year. But I know I watched it the year before, and I know I didn't watch Halloween three the year before. But I know I watched it last year. You can like subconsciously leap from them. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, which is odd, but it's that film, man. That is like if that was a hit, that would have changed how horror worked in the eighties. Yeah, it, 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 it wasn't a it wasn't a box office bomb. It just didn't make anywhere near enough money. It didn't lose money. 
No, but I mean, it, 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 yeah, I mean, it just, it did kill Stone Dead, the idea of anthology. Oh, yeah. Uh, anthology horror films, kind of like, on, of like big anthology horror films. Like, you know, the rest of the 80s. I mean, Halloween 4, the subtitle for that, isn't it? The Return of Michael Myers. Yeah. Where it's like, literally, they had to put in the subtitle, like, he's back, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, it, it's, uh, Halloween 3, if you actually explain it to somebody, it, it's been, for a start it's called Season of the Witch. No. There's no witches. <laughs> and it's called Halloween, and there's no no actual, there's no Michael Myers in it or anything like that. But then you explain it, it's like, well, what it is, there's this, there's this toy maker or novelty maker. What it is, is. What it is, yeah. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> um, who might be Irish when he remembers he's supposed to be Irish. Um, and what he does, right, is he makes these masks that he puts a little bit of Stonehenge in and then people's heads fucking melt and bugs come out of it and shit like that. Why? Don't know, really. Just why not? The, the, the plan had a fatal flaw in it, though. This is playing all across America. Yeah. It's all supposed to be in like the same time in local time zones. Yeah. As soon as the first one happens, I mean, I know at the end of the film is like, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. But as soon as that happens in any time zone, they've got like an hour delay before it happens in the next time zone. Like, I think an hour, even in the 80s, would be enough time to go, this shit's. This shit's fucking happening on the East Coast. Hey, Middle America, you might want to not put this this fucking advert on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then again, the matter goes, well, I don't know. He has already paid for it. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, like the West Coast, it'd be like three o'clock in the afternoon. It'd be like, right, it's the middle of the day. Like, what the what the fuck? <laughs> like, what, what, what do you mean snakes are coming out of people's? That of kids' masks. To be fair though, you would be at that point. You'd be like, "Well, now I've got to watch it." <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, yeah, maybe there's a morbid curiosity. It's like Ring, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That, that's it. It was. It's a mental on that, but yeah, I, I, I do love Halloween season of witch, but it, it, it's one of those where you either connect with it or I think you don't. And I would say, oh. if, if you don't have a, if you if you don't have an understanding of the horror genre and bits like that, it, 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 it will not click for you at all. You'll just go, what the shit? That was shit. And you're like, right, fine. However. <laughs> I can't wait to sit Lottie in, uh, down in front of it in like 10 years time and for her just to look at me and just go, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> As you're there going, brilliant, isn't it? No, but I, I just look at her and go, like, I just made you watch that for the last 90 minutes because I knew you would say that. <laughs> the thing is, Isabel really likes it. Oh, good for her. Yeah. Um, only got one other, actually, um, for this week. Have you got more? Um, You've got more, but you got more. I think I've only got one other, I think. Really? Yeah, you have a lot. I'm looking now. Oh, fuck you. Um, you didn't watch that one. Yeah, you didn't watch. Will you go over the arse then? Um. Okay. Um. So, I rewatched Paranorman. 
fucking love Paranorman. Oh, uh, Paranorman's good. It's great. And it's sad. That poor girl. Um, yeah, rewatched Paranorman. Um, part of it with Izzy, and then she got bored and went upstairs because she's not a child anymore. So that was that was interesting. Um, we it was it was a it was a toss up between that and Monster House, and she was like, nobody watching Monster House. I don't like it. So clearly she's wrong, and I'll just. So, so that how your daughter talks. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Oh shit! All right. More chubby. <laughs> she's going through a phase. Um, watch Monster Squad. Oh, you watch? Nice. Yeah, yeah. I really Monster Squad's fun. Monster Squad's a lot of fun, yeah. It's daft, but it's fun. Um, and yeah, apart from the biggies and the one that I watched with, oh, we watched. Zombieland, are we gonna do? We'll do Zombieland. We'll do we're gonna do it all. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, just just the Patreon and the um, the review and Speed. Speed, yeah, we rewatched Speed, didn't we? Yes, yes, we did. Speed's it's, fucking great. It's good. It's a good time. Speed is fucking fantastic. <laughs> Speed is a five star movie. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah, it probably is. It's it, it, it's it's. Uh, I think speed's underrated. Yeah. I don't know why, though. I don't know why. Because it's fucking great. Mm. The story's fantastic. Hopper makes a great villain. Uh, the whole yeah. premise is great. The fact that the the simplicity of it is brilliant. It's got a cracking soundtrack. Reeves is fantastic in it. It gives us Sandy B. Sandy B. You know, she's an absolute delight. No, she's adorable in this one, actually. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's fucking great. I cannot think of it as speed now without my brain going, the bus that couldn't slow down. Slow down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even that adding to it makes it better. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I'm not going to talk too much about speed, what is it, but it is, I just, I get the thing for some reason, it just doesn't get the, the kudos that it deserves. No, no, it's odd. I think it's because it was, it wasn't quite. It, it was before the Brockheimer revolution of, of action movies mm. that took over for like three or four years, where all the big action movies were the big Brockheimer thing. Yeah. And also, it was before CGI took over action movies as well. Mm. So it, it was kind of like a bit of a last of its breed. The score fucks as well. Yeah, it's fucking great. It, it's. It's very much like a, it, I know it wasn't directed by, but it feels like the movies that, we don't get movies like this really made now. No. Um, and the last person who made movies like this was Tony Scott. Who was like, I'm still going to make movies like that. But no one wants to see them. Nah, fuck you, they do. They do if I put Denzel Washington in them, it's fine. I think we missed that in cinema. We missed Tony Scott in cinema. We do definitely fucking miss Tony Scott in cinema. But yeah, uh, fantastic. What have you been watching, Ian? Um, Okay, so I went to the cinema today with Lothie to see one of my most anticipated sequels of the year. It's not not Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Farmageddon, a Shaun the Sheep movie. I love your love for the Shaun of the Sheep movies. 
Right. First Shaun of the Street movie is a proper fucking, like, almost silent classic. Farmageddon, Lottie literally said she'd give it 11 out of 10. Wow. I, I, I hope that's good, not that your daughter can't count for shit. No, 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 no. She was like, 10 out of 10. No. I was like, what? No. And then she just started counting up in her head. And she was going like, one, two, three. And she was like, no, 11 out of 10. I was like, you liked it that much? And she was like, yeah. Um, It's just like joy. Both the Shaun the Sheep movies, they're just joy. They're they're so much fun. Um, So this one, basically, how to explain it? Um, Well, an alien comes to Earth. The alien is called Lula. And she wants to get home to her mum and dad and Sean the sheep and Bitzer the dog help. But also the farmer on Sean's farm sees that there's UFO craze going on in his town. And so enlists his other sheep to construct a theme park for him called Farmageddon. Um... That's the story, but it's 89 minutes of sight gags, charm. I mean, one thing I've never seen a film do before, which I thought was quite fun. You know, you've got like the the something echo, like as a newspaper. Yes. Like the Liverpool Echo or whatever. Yeah. That's just a newspaper called the Echo Echo, which I just thought was really funny. (laughs) Like that's a that's a good joke. That's a good gag. Um, it's just the echo, echo. Um, and uh, yeah, I I I don't know. There's there's like an auto repair shop called HG Wheels. Um, there's it it, it it's just it's full of lovely little gags. There's a running gag about a guy who sees the ufo and drops his chips and all he wants to do is eat chips and it's just you see this guy every like 15 minutes or so and he's still trying to eat chips and can't eat chips it's great um it's lovely it's just a lovely lovely little film which you know if you saw by yourself in a cinema you'd be looked at as really strange because you know it is for kids but it's fucking funny um the dog's great, Bitzer. He's a fucking, he's a champ. The farmer is fantastic. And they all speak in this, like, like bollocks English, where you kind of understand what they're going for, but they're just making sounds. And that that's great. Uh, the sheep don't talk. Like, none of the animals talk. It's not like the humans are unintelligible, but the animals talk. None of them talk. But you still get what they're going for. Um and yeah, by the end of it, massive smile on my face. There's a post credits bit, which is fantastic. I, I actually don't want to spoil it for people who are going to go and see the film, but there's a post credits bit worth staying for. Um, and yeah, it, it just the fact that the farmer gets these sheep to make this theme park. And then it's like this massive like build up to the opening of the theme park and all these people crowding around, like going like, the entrance and then they walk through 
and the theme park is just as shit as you would imagine a theme park devised by a farmer and built by sheep would be. <laughs> I just, yeah. In fact, those sheep like punched above their weight. They they did good work. Those sheep did good work, but that farmer has no vision. Um. So yeah, Farmageddon, a Shaun the Sheep movie. I'll be honest. I don't think I liked it as much as the first one, but. Lottie gave it 11 out of 10 and it's not it's not made for me so the fact that I enjoyed it as much as I did I just think is a bonus yeah um yeah um it's better than Abominable I'm sure it's better than Maleficent we're gonna go see the Adams family ne- uh, uh next Sunday but I'm pretty confident this will be the, the half-term film to beat so um there's a game coming out of it for Nintendo Switch isn't there um yeah don't want to show lottie that at all because she'll want to spend 30 pound on it <laughs> that'll work out i can show a lot of that <laughs> she she wants to buy the new luigi luigi's mansion and it's 50 quid when it comes out and it's just lots you're just basically gonna play it for half an hour get stuck because you can't read properly yet get me to play it and then shout at me because i'm not doing the thing that you want me to do <laughs> Sure. That's, that's just parenting. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah, but I've I've basically stopped playing video games with her at this point because she's weirdly kind of like like gone out of them, and I'll be honest, playing with her is frustrating as shit. So it, it's I'm fine with that. Um, I watched uh, I, you know I watched Zombie Land and Zombie Land Double Tap, but we'll probably talk about those next week anyway. Um, uh, Blair Witch. So, thank you. Uh, last one for me this week. Um, but yeah, Adam Wingard's Blair Witch. Um, it was one ninety nine on iTunes. Uh, it's in Dolby Vision, so it was like, fuck it, why not? I didn't like it in the cinema, but who knows? It'd be cheaper than a rental. Uh, yeah, Blair Witch isn't great. Um, last act's kind of interesting. There's a there's a sequence with a girl trying to squeeze her way through like some kind of catacombs that are like increasingly small, which is pretty fucking tense. Um, But beyond that, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting that it's a sequel to the Blair Witch Project where it's the younger brother of Heather actually trying to find her. Like, like, yeah. All right. That's a good premise, but, the way that it relies pretty much solely on loud noise jump scares and a little bit of body horror, it, it just it feels really uninspired, uh, which is mental because watch it. There's like an hour and a half making of documentary, which Wingard and the screenwriter um, Simon Barrett seem really, really enthused about the whole thing. And it's like they obviously gave a shit and they they said that they basically wanted to do a kind of almost like a like a theme park ride version of Blair Witch with just like a lot of like booze ah, and whatnot. And it just that doesn't feel like what the first film was going for in the slightest. Mm. Uh, I mean, uh, Blair Witch Book of Shadows isn't what the first film was going for in the slightest either. But that film's fucking weird. <laughs> and Blair Witch isn't. It's just it's kind of dull. Um also I listened to most of the commentary on this um because I'd heard 
it was released after it came out at the box office and Wingard and Barrett sat at, like are apparently quite bruised about it. And yeah, they are. Oh, it's, it's odd. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's quite low energy then. <laughs> like literally the first 30 seconds, they kind of talk about how it, it came out and hasn't done very well. And like one of them's like joking about saying to their friends, like we're number two at the box office, and it's almost like they're they're calling out how ridiculous it is that they're disappointed that they have a film that opens at number two at the box office. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, there's still a hint of, but we're really fucking pissed off. It wasn't number one. Um. Yeah. It's uh. Just such a fucking misfire. And it, it, it just the marketing campaign of that film still annoys the fuck out of me where the quotes on the trailer were from one reviewer, Brad Misker for Bloody Disgusting. And I'm fairly sure he or like somebody who used to run Bloody Disgusting had a producing hand in the film. Yeah, that, that was the thing. I remember that. Um, And it's... I, I remember like ranting at him on Twitter about that at the time. And I think he maybe replied to like one tweet and then basically just didn't bother replying to the West rest, which was fine. So I was pissed, but um, yeah, bloody disgusting founder and VHS producer, Brad Miska on blah, 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 Brad Miska. Yeah. Okay. So he was the one that quote, those quotes came from, but yeah, he is a friend of Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard's. Um, I'm just having a look here on Reddit now. Um, so yeah, he was a producer on VHS, which Wingard and Barrett had a hand in. Yeah. And it's like, I. so that's just the fact that the you got these positive reviews and it's one it's one positive review being quoted in the trailer and it's literally from someone who had previously worked with them like that's on that is that not just like unethical from his point of view like i get why the marketing department did it but does he not just not think that's a bit dodgy that i've written that review no, I, I think they were, they were that much entrenched in. It, it, there was a little period, wasn't there, for a good sort of four or five years, we had like a little group of writers, actors, directors, and a little what is it that were, you know, there was like Adam Wingard and Sam Barrett and the Ty West, and there was a few others where they were very much like they were in each of those movies and they were writing and producing each of those movies, doing all that, and it was very backslappy with it, and it kind of felt a little bit that that felt like. You know, they, they, they were doing a fucking a, a secret sequel to Blair Witch and it was massive and like that and then the fact that it was shit it took all the air out of all of their balloons and then you know he did Death Note after that didn't he? but is he doing Kong versus Godzilla um, Wingard is yeah, yeah, isn't it? yeah. And, it, and it's weird because Barrett literally hasn't done anything since Blair Witch and they were they they worked with each other on fucking everything before that. But yeah, no, um, Barrett 
Uh, sorry, Wingard did Death Note. Um, yeah, no writing credit for uh, Barrett on that whatsoever. And now Godzilla versus Kong, yeah. So, I don't know. I hope Barrett's all right. It just kind of seems like that you have to wonder what happened there. It sure went a bit, a bit wrong, didn't it? Oh, should have worn best supporting actor for if Beale Street could talks Brian Ty- Tyree Henry is in uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Did they? Oh, that's a weird cast, that is. Alexander Skarsgård, Millie Bobby Brown, Rebecca Hall, Brian Tyree Henry, uh, Julian Dennison, Kyle Chandler, and Damian Bashir. Lance Reddick's in it as well. Oh, bloody hell. That's going to be fucking fascinating considering how like meh gods and monsters uh, uh, yeah king of monsters was was met with it's you know is anyone actually looking forward to this film i mean there's some fucking hubris that is that godzilla versus kong was like filming when king of monsters came out and so just the assumption that it was going to be a success and it i mean it, it, it Technically, I don't even think it's made money back, has it? I need to have a look at this because that that just feels like a film that's been completely fucking forgotten. 170 to 200 million budget, so let's split the difference and call it 185 million. What worldwide? No, that was the budget. Worldwide, worldwide, it only made 385. Yeah, so that's the thing. That's one where it kind of feels like they maybe just about got away with it. But now they've sunk a further, probably couple hundred million into Kong versus Godzilla. Mm. And it's just after. Did you see King of the Monsters? I can't remember whether we reviewed it or if I just talked about it. You t- I think it was just something else out that week, something like that. Yeah, like it just. I don't know. I actually don't know whether I can be asked with Godzilla versus Kong after King of King of the Monsters. Like I. God, like that film was just so. That's two and a half hours of my life I will never get back. That I don't know whether I can be fucked to waste it again on, on Godzilla versus Kong, and I liked Kong Skull Island. Yeah. But, Thing is, I like Kong Skull Island, but I'd never watch it again. I like to watch it. Again. I I I. I I think it's one of those where I, I like it in my head now. I think if I rewatched it, I'd be like, oh, yeah, this is shit. I, I mean, it would give me an excuse to rewatch the Peter Jackson one. I do kind of want to watch that again. Hmm. Um, so. Has John Voight Roberts, he hasn't done anything since, has he? No, he's been developing the Metal Gear Solid movie. That's it, yeah. He really wants to do that, but you know, Kojima's busy with Death Stranding, the film where you have to stop and uh, the game where you have to stop and pee. Yeah, everyone needs that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to you talking about Death Stranding, Bex, but uh, you you hard out. I very just fucking whatever. Anyway, let's do the laundromat. The Laundromat is directed by Steven Soderbergh and stars Meryl Streep, Meryl Streep, Antonio Banderas, Gary Oldman, David Schwimmer, Robert Patrick. Lots of people. 
lots of people who just kind of pop up. Yeah, Will Forte crops up for. Yeah, yeah, Will Forte and Chris Parnell for about ten seconds. Yeah. Because why not? Why not? Um, so this is, um, kind of a fact-based comedy drama, um, about, uh, the findings out of the Panama Papers, which were a bunch of papers released anonymously, uh, online about, uh, dodgy business practices. Uh, Antonio Banderas and Gary Oldman essentially narrate the film, playing the two men kind of behind all the dodgy dealings. Uh, explaining why they did what they did and how they did what they did. And they present kind of like almost self-contained stories about people affected by this, but with Meryl Streep running as a kind of a a through line through that. Um, Yeah, Mark, the laundromat. Um, Doesn't exactly feel like Mark Nip. So let's, let's see how this goes. What do you think? I really liked it. Um, I, I like the, the the humorous style that it took with going into it in the sense that you were very aware from the get-go that this wasn't a serious look at, at this situation. It was very much a... almost like a... a, a troll through a Wikipedia page. <laughs> There's no hard digging in this. It's just... It's if if the big shot was a a look into the financial crash, this is like the like 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 the little investigation. It, 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 there's not a lot there, but it's fun going along the journey. I have a major issue with one of the bits of it, but it's nothing to do with the film. It's a it's a sidestep of it's a sidestep of the film. Choice, it? It's a choice that the film makes. I have a major major fucking criticism and issue with but in the film i, I really enjoyed it. it it's it's a lot of fun um it was by the fact that it's 95 minutes long i think if you were trying to go for this this shtick for two hours it has it run out of steam um you put kept point out that, that the fact that gary oldman it looked like it looked like he'd put on too much weight since he had his costumes fitted yeah but the, well yeah it's not throughout though because if it was throughout i You'd be like, oh, well, clearly that's a choice they've made. But there's one particular shot of him and Antonio Banderas stood next to each other, and his jacket's just—it's not even buttoned up. He can't button it up. It, yeah, it, it, it's buttoned up, but the, the buttons are bulging out there. Yeah, it is a bit weird. But I, I liked them two in it. Um, I liked—I um, don't thought all performances were, were, were good in it. It was fun, and it was light, and it was airy. You didn't learn anything from it, but it was a fun it was a fun time to spend with it. I don't know that that's well no, you don't really learn anything from the movie. But it's a fun way to to to, to, to show people that information. Yeah, and it, it it made me cause I don't know anything about the whole Panama Papers thing. And it's made me come away and go, huh, I might do some reading up on that because that sounds quite interesting. Mm. And you know, it, if that's the case, if that's what it's going for, like trying to like educate people and get people thinking about stuff like that, well, it, it works to an extent. It hasn't done it itself, mm. but it's it's made it's made me want to go away and find more out about it. And I think, and this is directly borrowed from the Big Short, but like the explanations bit was quite good. Yeah. Like it is it again, like the Big Short, 
it's really quite dry subject matter. Yeah. And it's done a good job of making it accessible and putting it into layman's terms and actually making it interesting. I think that I always have with, with Netflix films is, and it might be an unfair way to, to, to kind of judge them, I don't judge them solely on this, but I do always look at it afterwards and go, right, would I have been pissed off if I had to pay to see that in the cinema? Yeah. And with this, absolutely not. No. It's a great time. I'm a little bit gutted that I didn't get to see this in the cinema. Mm. I'd have been, I, I'd, I'd have come out of this going, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that at a cinema. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what do you think, Ian? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's interesting that about the cinema point. I mean, I would, I would have liked to have seen it in the cinema as well, but I, the kind of the did the stark digital cinematography that Soderbergh kind of specialises in these days and the very kind of static shots. I'm not entirely sure that they're particularly cinematic. Um, it, I don't know, it all felt very kind of reined in. I mean, I, even though then again, the, the kind of the China sequence towards the end had, I kind of had a bit more going for it there. Um, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, I really liked it. I mean, I, out of the Soderbergh films this year, High Flying Birds kind of still my one. Um, really looking forward to the, uh, rewatching that for end of year discussion actually. Uh, but yeah, I I had a, a a good deal of fun with this, and it, it's the fact that it's one of those films where it, like it could be like eating your vegetables, but they don't present it like that in the slightest. Um, I, 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 it was was great. Um, I mean. Uh, sometimes I, I kind of thought it, it maybe lost its own point a little bit, like the um, the Fred with um, the guy who was um, banging his um, uh, daughter's friend, and yeah, the, the, like it was okay. So what what's this about then? That, like, because that, it, it, that has nothing to do with the actual story. It, it it's it, it's an it's another it's another story in, in completely. Yeah, because I mean, it starts with them saying like, well, you know, not all the people that we help are criminals. Are, are criminals, you know, this guy he's done he's done nothing wrong. But then it ends with, well, he moved all the money out of the company, so the shares were worthless. Yeah, and you watch so, go going. So hang on a minute, you're a you you you're an incredibly wealthy person who makes his money in Africa. You're already thinking. Right, there's very few people that make an enormous amount of money in Africa who aren't criminals <laughs> in some way. Yeah, I, I, but I mean, it was like at the end of that bit, it was like, okay, so what did those guys essentially advise him to or facilitate him basically making the company worthless? Or because, you know, Gary Oldman's in that bit at the end, basically going, okay, this is how much the company's worth. Yeah, but it's like, well, what did he? What was, what was he bringing to the table then? Because he kind of seems like he's the head of this firm, but he's doing this job where it kind of seems like someone five rungs down could be doing for him, but he's doing it that instead. So I kind of lost the thread there of what exactly did they do for him apart from hold his money. Mm. It, it, it's just. I, I thought it was like that self-contained story. I thought it was interesting. And I, I, I kind of like the punchline bit of, okay, well, the daughter doesn't tell 
but the best friend just fucking blabs. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I enjoyed that, but the Meryl Streep stuff I thought was was stronger. The sequence at the end with Matthias Schoenarts getting fucking poisoned by that woman was great. Like just the the the, the way that it's she threatened the, the whole threatening thing, and then withholding that water until he basically says no i'm not going to do what you're saying i'm going to do and then letting him have the rat poison yeah uh, it, it, as well i i i enjoyed that because you you know what's happening as well <laughs> yeah no absolutely and it's like this guy's obviously a scumbag so they're at first you're kind of like well good on them for standing their ground and it's like oh no shit they are fucked up people <laughs> yeah, yeah it's um yeah, uh, so I, I I I I enjoyed it. I'm you know the fact that I just watched it at home on Netflix is I mean what a fucking charmed world we are in. Yeah. Say what you want about the sanctity of the big screen experience, and I I do very much believe in that, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the Irishman on the big screen. But the fact that new Soderbergh film with Meryl Streep and Oldman and Banderas, yeah, just watch it at home. Yeah, it's great, you know. Um, so yeah, I it, it it yeah, it was a good time, but I just it made me just go, I really want to watch High Flying Bird again. <laughs> Is that basketball? Yeah. Can I go my issue? Yeah, go on, go for it. Right. There's a trend at the moment in in cinema at the moment mm. to have. Your big female star playing multiple characters, right? Now, there's also been a criticism for a number of years, and Meryl Streep has actually spoken about this. <laughs> okay. Right? Meryl Streep is the Hollywood darling. Everybody loves her. I, I personally don't think she's all that. Mm. Um, and I, 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 I thought she was very good in this. I must add that. Uh, I don't think Meryl Streep is a bad actress. I just don't think she's all that. And I find her an irritating person. Yeah. But she she has a habit of backing every cause going. Mm. So a number of years ago, she backed cause about um, there not being a lot of roles for all the actresses. But all roles, actually, all roles are written for younger prettier people etc mm. and she she was quite hard adding on that now this is Meryl Streep who one of the criticisms people had of Meryl Streep for that was right but you're not fucking going to struggle for roles are you Meryl it, it, that doesn't affect you mm. her thing was no but it affects people of my gender and it, 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 it affects it affects me because I, I care about the you know how my profession is done yeah all fair enough yeah so that role could have gone to a completely different actress. But no, I'll do both these roles to get to have fun with prosthetics. You don't know that that was her choice. What? 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 For that role. Oh, no, no one fucking forced her to do it, Becky. No one no, forced her on the street to play a role that she's not going to play. I'm not saying that, but I'm... I'm... I just, I, I just I, I find the whole... With the, the Suspiria thing and Tilda Swinton playing 75 different fucking roles in that, it just it feels a little bit like it 
it feels a little bit wanky. It does feel wanky, yeah. Yeah, it feels a little bit circle jerky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I don't know. I I I like the snake eating its own tail nature of her playing those roles, but as soon as she's on screen, it's just like, what the fuck is Meryl Streep doing there? Yeah, that that's it. it, it it's it, the thing is, it's not even because there, there was a an almost cleverness in the Suspiria ones with what is it in the fact that you, you knew it was, but you were going the fact that you knew beforehand. I think altered it. I think if you didn't mm. know beforehand, you'd be going, hang on a minute, is that what is it? Yeah. Whereas with this, you go, why is that Meryl Streep? Yeah. And it's like it's not even good prosthetics. No. It's clearly Meryl Streep. Mm. And it so it just irked me in the sense of why? It almost made me think, what, are they gonna reveal that Meryl Streep's character at the start has been playing some sort of fucking long game? And yeah. this isn't a linear narrative. It's going to turn out that it, it, this old woman disguised herself as something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Would it be better? But it's just, it, it, it's just Meryl Streep. And then at the end of it, she's just fucking Meryl Streep. But I, 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 I don't know. I like the way that it's um, the her being the like the anon, uh, the made up, the a made up character, obviously, but the anonymous source. Um, and it's like. That she's representing people who have been affected by this, like Meryl Streep's other character. It is wanky. It is fucking wanky. But at least I think the explanation for why they did it is probably valid. Whereas with Suspiria, it's like Tilda Swinton played the the old doctor as well because she's Tilda Swinton. Yeah. But I, I, I can see your point. I just, it's. It's a trend that I kind of want to end now. No, totally fair. Totally I, want, fair. I, I want it to be. I want it to be done. I'm kind of done with it. In the same way as I'm, I'm getting a little bit fed up of getting up in a cinema and going, oh fuck. Can we just check see if it's got a post credits bit? Yeah. Yeah, it's mine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, uh, well, I, I, it's a, it's a definite shit for me. I had, I had a really good time with it. Indeed, definitely not shit. Yeah, definitely not shit. I'm going to check what our audience vote was. Um, I thought you were checking Facebook's vote for how long or not. No. Uh, well, oh, OK. Definitely not shit. 0%. Oh, wow. Touching cloth, 25%. And shit, 75%. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. It is, actually. I, I, yeah. That's weird, though. Fair it's enough. Kind of, it's like a budget Netflix version of The Big Short, really. Like, it's not... It's very, very, very heavily... I wouldn't even say borrowed, actually. Copied The Big Short. Oh, yes. It, it, it is. And when it's directed like Soderbergh, maybe people expect I think, more? I think it actually... It actually even references The Big Short on its... What is it? Um... Yeah, literally the IMDb bio for it, the um, profile for it is, in this big short-esque dramedy based on the <laughs> Moser forensic scandal. There you go. <laughs> so. On the what scandal, babe? What? On the what scandal? Uh, well, I didn't, I wasn't going to so, go there. Oh, 
that's fine. That's not what you said. You said like Moses Ferrer or something a second ago. I trailed off on, on the Ferrero Rocher scandal. <laughs> <laughs> I get fucking bullied on this a lot. <laughs> fucking no was having pops at me on fucking WhatsApp the other day about it. About what? Your lack of ability to pronounce words? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just... It will never get better than Digimon Honsoon, eh? <laughs> just... um, okay, so let's get into our Patreon review. We're taking a look at Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Uh, stars Jonathan Price, uh, Robert De Niro, Bob Hoskins, um, Michael Palin, Ian Holm. Who am I missing? Bob Hoskins? No, he's Bob Hoskins, didn't we? Kim Greased? Oh, Kim Greased, yep, of course. Um, ah, that'll do. Uh, so, yeah, Brazil. It's uh, it's a classic. Um, who are who nominated this? Was it Rick J. Kidd? Oh, I wasn't. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Because um, last week wasn't Rick J. Kidd, but then yeah, yeah, totally. So Rick, here we go, Brazil. Uh, Bex, Brazil. I know you were really, really up for this. So, um, has it has it lived up to what you uh, remembered? Just very quickly, Ian. Did you watch the director's cut or the the two hour twenty odd? Yeah, two hour like twenty eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 On Amazon, yeah. Uh, we watched it on Blu-ray, but the Blu-ray is the what is it? Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, no, that's the one I watched. It's a beautiful steel book as well, isn't it? It's a good looking steel book. Yeah. I I mean I, I love Brazil. I, I absolutely love it. It's um, it's Gilliam, which, you know, I I don't think there's a single Terry Gilliam film I've seen that I don't love a little bit. Um but Brazil is just fantastic because it's essentially it, it, it's another one of my favourite things thrown in there as well, because it's basically like a reimagining of 1984 which you know it's um it, it it's just brilliant like every every little bit of it is, is brilliant the the weird sort of um where they've got the chimneys and they're all painted with clouds and it looks like it's just like an actual place and then the guy pops his head over the top and it's like a like a model thing that, that's that been done for this new place it's just like little stupid bits like that are just like the the whimsicalness of it is you know it, with such a really it's, it's quite a heavy subject matter and it's it's a, it's a bleak ending oh they had such a bleak ending to be fair um but yeah it, it it lifts it a little bit and makes it more palatable i suppose because 1984 is it's a great film but it's bit of slog but it deals with the same subject matter in a much lighter way that makes sense yes yeah it's just you sat there silently not i'm just listening to you oh. um and he's, he's the thing with his mum like constantly getting more and more surgery and the thing with the poor friend that's supposed to be like a cautionary tale against capitalism because she's just getting more work done and it just it keeps going more and more wrong which keeps like plugging away at it um yeah 
Nice. Nice. Uh, Mark? I, I don't like it as much as you, Rex, is, is, is the thing. Um, I, I found that as I've got older, Gilliam has worked less for me. Yeah, you don't have an awful lot of patience with Terry Gilliam, do you? I don't, I, the, the thing is, I, I used to really, really like Gilliam films. Mm. But the more I've got away from, the more I've got older, the less kind of patience I, I, I have for it. It looks great. It, it does. Um, the whole, I like the... Uh, the world building of it all, uh, the fact that it, it's it, it's physical things, you know, the, what what's killed Gilliam is the fact is now that you can do all of that with computers and he can't do that, you know, he proved it with um, Dutch yeah. Panassas. Oh. Um, oh, Panassas is good. But it looks like shit. It does compare to his other stuff. Yeah. You know, and, uh, I've leveled a similar thing at um, Tim Burton. You know, the fact that there's no tangible physical thing that has to get built and it's just they can build whatever's in their imagination. It, it's that yeah. the, there's no limitations and limitations is how these people work best. Mm. You know, if you give people an imagination to go run with it and do whatever you can imagine, it'll look like shit. It'll look like a kid's painting, like shit. But if you then have to sort of work within a framework of what's possible then you get something that looks as good as brazil with all of that ingenuity or 12 monkeys and things like that mm. but i did find watching this I, I was going i did pause it at one point because we went to get a drink of bathroom and stuff like that and i look at how long was left and was like holy shit has this only been on an hour and a quarter mm-hmm. and i was well aware that i was watching a really long film and it was it was starting to to wear on me a little mm. bit. Um, it possibly might not have been if it was my first watch of mm. yeah. it. Um, I love De Niro in it. I think Donald Price is fantastic yeah. in it. De Niro is a weird one for being in there. It's a really weird little turn from him. Yeah, well, he, he just wanted to work with Gillian. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like when he plays a gay pirate in Stardust, and it's like he obviously just fancied working with Matthew Vaughan. Yeah. yeah. That was it. It was just. It was. He's good in Stardust, actually. He, he wanted yeah, to yeah. work. He wanted to work with with, with Gilliam. <laughs> the, the, the part of the, the, if you read any of the what is it about it that Gilliam speaks about it, he always says, "I really like Robert De Niro. I really like as a person. Like what is it? But it's a nightmare to work with that man. Yeah. Because he he, he works differently. So basically, he works differently to to the way that I work. So. He wanted to know what all what well, what does that pipe do and what does that pipe do? What what are all these pipes supposed to be doing? What's going on on here? He said, "All I'm there say is, hey, there's just a lot of pipes. There's just a lot of pipes. <laughs> why is there a lot of pipes? Because there is. Because there's a lot of pipes, right? But why is there that pipe? There's just a lot of pipes, Robert. <laughs> and it was it, they're just it, nightmarish pipes, Bob. It was like yeah, that, just that, get what, on it. Just, just get like, on it. Like right." But, so what am I fit, fitting here? It's a bypass set. What's it bypassing? The pipes. It's just passing. It's just pipes. bypassing two things. But why would he be doing that? It's, it, 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 it's just, it was two different worlds colliding and they didn't work together. So, but De Niro is going, I love working with it. I love working on it. It was weird working on something that was different to what I was used to. Mm. Um, so you've got those juxtapositions of, of worlds. But yeah, I did. I do like it. And it is a good film. I just, 
I did struggle with it a little bit on this watch. Ian. You're a philistine. It's not a philistine. It is. Kind of the same as Mark. Um, sorry, Bex. Um, I really, really like Brazil. I mean, like the the world building of this fucking film is among some of the most impressive you'll ever see. Um, but I was very aware that I was watching a film that was nearly two and a half hours long. Um, and I, th- to be honest, I think a lot of that comes down to Jonathan Price. Um, He's a bit of a wet blanket of a character who is supposed to be like an everyman and he's having all these dreams of like defeating a bad guy and winning the girl. But then he never really, it never really seems to follow through in his, in his actions, even though, even though he's doing kind of like what seem to be kind of heroic things he's like I say, he's such a fucking wet blanket that he needs other people to enable things for him constantly. And I mean, maybe that's just a a comment on the kind of the world in, in which he is, but the, I'm not going to take the job in information retrieval. And it's like, but he'll find out if who she is. Okay. I'll take the job in information retrieval. And there's um there's the sequence where he goes to give the check to the uh, the widow, and he's in information. No no no, what is it? Yeah no, he he said he's gonna take the job, and he gives her that check, and then there he's saying, well I'm not from information retrieval. They're they're the ones who balls this up. I'm from information blah blah blah. And it's like he's too pussy to even admit of like where he actually works. And it I never got the sense that he was with her for her crusade um it's just he basically he's trying to find her so he can fuck her oh yeah like that that that's like all the kind of like the writing love you on the windshield it's like no you literally have just been dreaming of this woman and you want to have sex with her and the way and i i don't know it yes the film has a dark ending but it kind of feels like the ending that that character's slightly well not maybe not deserves but deserves more than i think the film wants you to think he does um and i think a lot of ways isn't it yeah yeah no that's yeah absolutely um and i mean it's um it's not because of jonathan price it just he's this character that everything seems to happen to him even though he's he's driving the plot and yet that just seems to be the case um and I, you know I, I i think he's swallowed up by an awful lot of what's around him but a lot of that is good you know de niro is great in his couple scenes um any scene with the mum is fucking brilliant um I, it's, I, I suppose there's a question of when exactly does it all become a dream? Is it only when they're abseiling down and then from there it's a dream? Or is there an insinuation that it could have been earlier? I mean, what, what are the thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's, I think the sort of thing that I take from it, because obviously he leans towards him with the the tool that they use for lobotomies 
doesn't he? Yeah. And then they abseil down. I think that's supposed to be where, because he carries out the lobotomy and then that from there on it's bandaging. Yeah, because he doesn't get shot, does he? But then he's he's dreaming of that baby face mask earlier on in the film. Like he's have, he's having dreams of like the like the, the kind of like the people in the slums like yeah, reaching big. out to get him. Yeah. And the baby face mask is there. And it's it, but then it's almost like okay, so even in his dreams he's a fucking wet blanket. It's because he 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 shags her before the lobotomy, doesn't he? Yeah. Or like so, but it's almost like I I don't get. I don't get how she is suddenly into him. It's I don't I, I mean I I gave this film a four point five out of five on Letterbox, but the more I'm kind of talking about it, it's like the the narrative. I mean that that there's that the individual scenes are great, but I don't think it makes a cohesive whole. But from a cinematic point of view, it's a fucking astounding piece of work. But for a film that is as long as it is, I I needed more meat on the bone there because, you know, I get after the first half hour, I get the point. This is a bureaucratic state, which is an absolute nightmare for people. Okay, fine. And then you've got these terrorists and whatnot, and it's well, he kind of joins them, but it's more that he sympathizes with them, but really wants to fuck the girl. That's not enough for me to, to, to latch onto. So Bex, this film is shit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not, it's not, it just, I, 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 I'm not entirely sure that it's what it, what its reputation is. But from a what they actually managed to do on screen, I do kind of get it. Yeah, um, I, I'm with that. I think it's like I said, it's a film where I, I would I don't think I'll watch again or I won't watch again for a very long time because every time I've watched it, it's kind of lost a half star. It's still a four out of five movie for me it's still very very it's still very very good because it's so there's so much going on and so much of the the frame is taken up with every shot with something going on uh that's for sure um but i just i think i'm looking going do you know what i have already seen all that a little bit Mm. oh no no i did you're you're entitled to your wrong opinions. That's fine. Um, I don't I don't I don't get it really. Yeah. I don't I don't get. It. I suppose because I disagree with you, I'm just sort of going. What's wrong? What's wrong? Well, I mean, what? were 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 you into Jonathan Price's character? It's weird. He's he's a normal guy living in a world. But of... he's not normal. That's that. That's the thing. He's not normal. He's an overprivileged guy trying to live a normal guy's life while still enjoying all the privileges. He's not a normal guy. But he's a normal guy in the sense that he's not like 
Look, he's special powers, not superhero. No, but, but but he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to worry as much about the bureaucratic nonsense because the because it 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 doesn't affect him as much. But he still has to work within its framework. Yeah, but he's happy working at the low end of the framework and having no what is it because that's where that's where it affects him least and clearly that financially it's not a problem for him. Hmm. I'm just saying like when when you know you're saying like he's a wet blanket and stuff like that. He's he's just a normal dude. Like not everyone is a hero in all situations. Not everyone knows how to act in that way i guess he's just acting like a normal guy would act like if you if you we were in a department you're in a department store and a bomb went off you know yeah you fucking duck and go cower under a table somewhere in real life you probably would like to think that you wouldn't but most people would but, but i mean I, I don't get why it's just why that would make a character interesting to spend this amount of time with. I think there's a counterpoint, I think, I suppose. Um, well, that used to spending time with, in these type of situations, with hero-like people. But it's kind of interesting spending time with somebody who isn't in, in any way heroic or anything like that. Um, it, it is quite, it, it's a novelty thing. I think, it, you know, that, Gilliam likes doing that. He likes superimposing the weird on the weird. Mm. I think that's kind of what what he's gone for here. I think with Gilliam, he's one of those people, one of those filmmakers where I think he either gets you or he doesn't. Mm. Like you love Gilliam, don't you? Yeah. Um, whereas I am very much like ten years ago. Yeah. I did, but for some reason, I just, it doesn't click with me anymore. Mm. And I wonder if I was watching these movies now for the first time, whether they click with me differently or whether or not they just wouldn't click with me at all. Mm. That's it, I suppose, I think. I think as well, you, you, Jonathan Price, uh, his, his character in this is not what you're watching it for. You're not watching him, it for his character arc. It's, it's the world mm. around it. That he lives within that you're watching it for yeah um and and the comments that it's making about society as a whole and the society that well at the time probably seemed really far away but yeah you know it becomes more and more prescient the more time goes by but you know it's it's the it's the dangers of over-regulation and, and regimentation and stuff like that, isn't it? Yeah. No, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. I just... Um, and I, I, I take your point that it's not necessarily about price. Uh, and, and it's about just kind of, I, I don't know, being a passenger in this world. But it, it's... I don't know. I, I it just... It, the, the way that he's having these dreams of in this kind of like angel costume and kind of getting the girl and having that fight with that samurai looking dude. I, I it just, uh, it would have been nice if he wasn't fucking crying after his mum, like two and a quarter hours into the film. I mean, it, it's like the one of the last things before like the final 
like shot plays out is him like basically asking his mother for his help and his mum telling him to fuck off. Um, it, it's and it, I I kind of want that character to have more balls than that. It, it it just I'm getting hung up on that, but it bothers me. Um, but the fact that this film is what 35 years old at this point. Yeah. And has this level of visual information and world building, you know, can't go unheralded. Um, and it, yeah, it's just a shame that Terry Gilliam is kind of doing what he's doing now. It's like he makes the man who killed Don Quixote, which just doesn't seem to get a release anywhere. I mean, that, that played LFF last year. And I think it still doesn't have distribution in the UK. No, I don't. You know, but I mean, yeah, but I mean, Zero Theorem got released by Sony over here. So, you know, there's obviously still some sort of cachet to the guy. Oh, right. um, yeah. I can't remember what I thought of Zero Theorem. We reviewed it, didn't we? We reviewed it, yeah. I think I enjoyed it more than you, but you didn't hear it. Yeah, I remember being the only person in the cinema watching it. Um, I, th- I think I was as well. I think we remember the conversation about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, I, I, I don't know. Um, it, it just it. Brazil feels like a very expensive, almost series of Monty Python skits, but more disturbing than that. And with a hell of an ending, like those baby, the, the baby face masks, still creepy. And just that that last shot is fucking chilling. He's meant that the budget for this was fifteen million. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I mean, there's a testament to Gilliam's kind of almost like handmade style. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, I love the. Um, Sorry, go on. Oh, hello. Hello. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, hey, uh, sorry. Um, and I, I just some of the silly comedy about it, like where he's in that lift and he sees her, and he's just trying to get make the lift go down, and he's trying to make the lift go up, and it, it just like the way it keep it keeps on stopping, starting, stopping, starting, like the, the way that everything is against him, and it's um, the, like basically symbolized just via a lift that won't get him in the direction he wants to go in great yeah. stuff and they're, 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 there's loads of really great moments in this but as I say I just I'm not in... Hello? Um, but also credit to uh, passive aggressive repair sorry oh. about Scott Bob Hoskins is great I wasn't saying that. I just oh, said hello because Ian, Ian disappeared. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry, you were a bit in and out, that's all. Okay, sorry. I don't think I was saying anything that um, I hadn't already said anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I have some opposing points of view. Cool. You literally dipped out really there and we got opposing points of view at the end. <laughs> yeah. 
I was just saying, I, I, I like definitely not shit, but I had to be a cunt by offering opposing points of view. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely not shit on it. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. And we're getting you out, Becky. Yeah. Cool. I've just realised that you know, not realised, remembered that the Fisher King exists, and now I need to watch that at some point in the next week. So. Fair I get a bit. I get a bit. Sweet. Right. Let's have some questions. What have we got? Uh, well, our question uh, for our listeners this week was, what are your favourite movie posters? So, uh, Rick, uh, yeah, Kim said this is on my wall for years. Put the train spot in one. Um, yeah, I had that. Yeah, I had that as well. Um, but whilst I'd never owned a copy, I'd always thought this was great. And he yeah, put the um, Rosemary's Babies one. That is a good poster, actually. Um, Gav Clark uh, at Clark73 uh, said, um, love the Bond franchise and the more posters promise so much. Yeah, Bond has had some good posters over mm. the years. Mm. Um, Bex, what are yours? Blade Runner. Blade Runner. I love my Blade Runner poster. So the, that, the particular Final Cut one or any of the other ones? Or? That one. That's, that. that's the classic one, isn't it? That's the Final Cut one. Yeah, but that's the one, like, yeah, you it, think Blade Runner poster. Yeah. And our Japanese Totoro one is, is up there as well. Yeah. But I think that's specifically that particular poster rather than... But it's that drawing, isn't it? Yeah. Because um, it's not actually the image from the film. No. The Totoro poster. It was done as a... It was done before the film, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a, a drawing because it, 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 it's not actually what's happening in the thing. No. Because she's got a sister on the back of the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's not that. Ian, what are your favourite movie posters? Aliens, big one for me. The, I, uh, I, I you were going to go earlier with that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the egg and the grate under it, and the in space, no one can hear you scream. Let's fucking go. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of for, am I going to die hard poster for some reason? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. What's that then? Die hard poster. Oh, Die Hard. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Halloween one's great. We've got it up here. Yeah, it's, it's a really fucking great one. poster. Um, Jaws was a cracking poster. Mm. You know, and all the um, that the time when we had like hand animated posters. Like, for instance, um, what's it as a great poster? Um, blah, 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 blah. Christmas Vacation has a fucking great poster <laughs> of him as the fucking Christmas tree. Yeah. yeah, that's the diagram, one, yeah. yeah. I like, I like, it's a, it, it's a just, and the reason why I picked this as a question is because we had, for instance, earlier this week, the Charlie's Angels poster came out, and it, it looks like it was designed by an intern whilst they were taking a shit. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of like a, they used to be a big thing, posters. Yeah. And now they're either... You know, yeah, the formulaic as fuck Marvel ones that are just boring. Um, or you have these slapped together crapness of things like the Charlie's Angels one that I'm just showing Becky now. Oh, that's horrific. Yeah. Yeah. There's no thought that goes into them. They're just done it's in me. Badly Photoshop crap in it. Yeah. Um, I think we need to go back to the. The proper posters. Proper posters. Yeah. yeah. Proper posters for proper movies. Yeah. That way people cared. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, questions. We do have a few, actually. Excellent. Uh, 
Gareth Clark at Clark73. Uh, money's no object. What piece of film memorabilia slash merchandise would you own? I own a stunt battery pack attachment from Sunshine. Oh, you do, don't you? Yeah. Fucking nerd. And I'm set. I own something that was used on Sunshine. I'm I'm spent. What's your back? Can it be imaginary? Can I have a cyborg snake out of uh, out of? I mean, Blade Runner. It's a real thing, though. It's not cyborg, is it? You can't have a no. You can't have an imaginary prop. No, you can't have something that you can't you can't have something from the movie. You could have that prop. Yeah. I'll have that. <laughs> no, fair enough. Yeah. Um, Got to be Rambo's knife, hasn't it? Oh, that is. <laughs> yeah. Got to be Rambo's knife. What in the bow and arrow? I think the bow and arrow would be cool, but the knife. The knife. Yeah. yeah. The headband. The actual. I have headband. a feeling that'd smell terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least the knife you could hold and go, holy fucking shit. I mean, granted, you would you would look at me and go, oh my god, he's gonna cut himself so much with that. Yeah. <laughs> Cut yourself angrily washing up earlier in the week, didn't you? I did cut myself angrily washing up uh, earlier in the week. Um, Andrew Jones, um, you're drunk, it's late. This is quite accurate, yes. Um, you're lost out in the middle of nowhere. Which film character do you call to give you help? I mean, it's Winston Wolf, isn't it? I don't know who that is. From Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Snake Plissken. Snake Plissken's a strong shout, actually. I was Jack Burton, but then. See, mine would be. I, I was joking with Winston Wolf on, but what is it? Mine would be Jack Burton. You'd have a fun time with Jack Burton. Yeah. I don't think you'd get home. He'd probably bring you another sixer. Yeah. It, it, it'd have to be uh, Jack Burton and. What? What? Is it Wong, the guy's called? The other guy in Big Trouble in China. Chen. Chen. Yeah. What was the one? Wang. That's it. Yeah, Wang. Wang. Yeah. Wang. Yeah. Wasn't there a film called The Emergence of Wang or something like that? <laughs> there oh, was. You know about his 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 friend guy. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant um. What's it? Uh, the bus driver one. Yeah. There was, uh, Ian, before you give us your answer, there was a film that was playing at Fright Fest a couple of years ago when we were there that was called something like The, the Arrival of Wang. The Arrival of Wang, that was it, yeah. And we look, that was, yeah, The Arrival of Wang. Nice. Cool. Uh, what's yours, Ian? Because like, I would say Reese Witherspoon in Wild because of her incredible sense of direction, but it's Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> you just you just leave her. <laughs> mm. I wouldn't say Emil Hirsch and Into the Wild because I'd be dead. Yeah. Eat these berries. Are you sure? Yeah. It's <laughs> uh, like Jack Burton is a good shot, though. Uh fucking oh wang. Um uh no short round 
<laughs> Fair play. Um, Ethan Embar, uh, Ethan Bar too. Uh, I'm in Germany visiting. I thought you'd signify that with a response. <laughs> Just laughing and moving on. Yep. I'm in Germany visiting a big castle. Favourite scene slash film set in or around a castle? What's that horror film we watched with the, the monks in the castle and stuff? That's good. There's a demon. Keep going. That's all I've got. I... When's it from? Oh, what? Right. Because I have one. Favourite scene slash film, Princess Bride. Princess Bride? Yeah. Mine's In the Name of the Rose. The Sean Connery, Christian Slater movie. Is it In the Name of the Rose the one that's got a weird other name? I don't know. Isn't it? I think so. Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Princess Bride. Princess Bride. What's yours, Ian? Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Fair play. Shit still makes me laugh. Always will. So, Monty Python fully. Um, yeah, I, I see, I, I, I love Terry Gilliam, but I never, well, I used to when I was a kid, used to like Monty Python yeah. films, yeah. not the sketches. But I just, they're, they're a bit, they're a bit needy. Like, they're like, oh my god, find us funny, find us funny, they're like a puppy. I think, I, I think it was the fact, I think my thing was. I went to college with people that really, really liked them mm. and would quote them to each other all the all, all, all the time. And it was like, I I never need to fucking see one of these movies again because you have ruined them for yeah. me. Um, Rick Kidd, at Rick J. Kidd. Um, you never did yours. I did, it was another Rose. Oh, yeah, you did, yeah. <laughs> Which is also, I think, Ron Perlman's first movie. Aww. Um as we're approaching Halloween, if you were curating a five horror film programme for a movie night, what films would you include to provide a varied catalogue of the various horror subgenres? Halloween, Evil Dead 2, Ring. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Alien Trick or Treat's got to be in a Halloween movie playlist What else from here? Halloween Yeah, so Halloween, I'd have Halloween I'd have Evil Dead 2 mm. I'd also have Candyman Oh yeah, good thinking I'd have Deep Red Yeah um, and two pigs by water. Mm. Texas Chainsaw. Texas Chainsaw's a good shout. Yeah. Now I'm speaking of that. That's that, that, fine. I'll have your first four, but with trick or treat. Is that having two pigs by water? Then? No. Fair I, I wouldn't want to watch on Halloween. Yeah, that, that last question. Good questions, though, this week. Yeah, yeah, no. no. Oh, thank you very much for that, guys. Yeah, thank yeah. you for the effort, folks. I'm sorry I was looking at sunshine props. That was bad of me. So, 
coming up next week. For the patrons, you've got a Terminator retrospective along with a review of Terminator Dark Fate. For non-patrons, you've got the review of Dark Fate. You'll also get Zombieland Double Tap and anything else we get to. Um, not entirely sure when episodes will be released next week because obviously we're traveling up to um, well uh, Jordan's wedding and you know it take it's going to take me significantly longer to get there and back than it is for uh, for other folks. So it is what it is. How long is it going to take you guys to get there? Uh, I, traffic permitting, uh, it's about two and a half to three hours. Nice. How long is your journey? Um, so I've got I've got quite a prolonged stopover in Manchester, but it's going to take me like from door to door about eight hours. Jesus Christ! That that include you? Sorry. What time are you setting up Thursday morning? I'll be out the door about eight o'clock on Thursday morning. Yikes! And you're not getting it like four o'clock in the afternoon. Shit, it's like it's like eight hours, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So, it, but then again, last time because of various accidents and a billion road works, I think it took me five and a half hours to get there. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I, I got the coach last time, and literally the coach from Cardiff to Manchester took about six and a half hours. What I will say is, me and Becky are actually planning on possibly doing some recording in the car on our way there. Oh, bloody hell. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that we'll, we'll work that out, how we're going to work that. Oh, just come to Manchester and pick me up. <laughs> I, I did think about that, but it's the problem is it's a complete fucking two-hour journey the way. I've done it for you, Mark. <laughs> Thing is, you know, you, you know, I have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But you know, we were younger, stupider men. Yes. It'll only be an hour out of your way. Ian. I genuinely did think it was only an hour out of your way, though. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. I ran over a partridge on that drive. <laughs> it was a fun drive, though. We had a good laugh. It took a part of my car off. You weren't in the car then. It was on the it was on the other leg. Fucking ran over a partridge and it fucking took a part of my car off. That's you know, that was a good fuck you from that partridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a that's why you think I do that partridge. Uh anyway. That was episode 320 of Film Bastards. I'm sorry, I I started really high energy and I really fucking went the opposite end by the end of the show. I'm so sorry. Um, but we've been recording for nearly three hours. So, you know. How about it? <laughs> back off. Um, so uh, that will be it. We'll uh, speak to you guys next week. Um, and... Pod Syndicate, we are podsyndicate.com, at Film Bastards, at Ian Loring, at Dude Foz, at Betsy Foz, filmbastards at gmail.com, and we are out. Bye. Bye.
podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. <laughs>